Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, it's the IGN UK podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Stuart Reed is is me. I am and continue to be and will be until the day I die, which I think will be about three weeks. Luke Kamali sits to my left. Hello. That's, that's for those of you who are listening to the audio-only podcast. Christopher Tilly is sat to my right. Bonjour. Hello. Hello. I like your jacket. Thank you. It's yeah. summery, isn't it? It is very summery. Yep. In summary, it's quite nice. Anybody been up to anything interesting this week? Yeah. Mm. Have you? Can you talk about it? Yeah. Well, I didn't get to say last week. Oh. I peed. People like my toilet stories, don't they? They do. It's true. It's not. It's it's an, it's more an anecdote than an anecdote. But um, it's Good. yeah. I went for a wee at the premiere of X Men: Days of Future Past, and there was an African American man next to me, and then a Geordie, a big a big chubby Geordie guy, who was trying to get his camera to work, oh. and he didn't get it, and it ran out of battery. It was all a bit strange, and the African-American gentleman left the toilet, and the bloke said to me, uh, oh, what are the chances? You try and get a picture with Wesley Snipes, and your, photo, your, film, your camera dies. And so um, I said to him, very kind of, kind of looking down my nose at him, said, mate, that wasn't Wesley Snipes, kind of laughing at him, and he went, oh. And the next day, I saw the picture in the papers. It, it very much was Wesley Snipes. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I nearly saw, I could have seen his blade. Yeah, you <laughs> um, why didn't you think it was Wesley Snipes? Because he looked different, but I guess that's what prison will do to you. Because, obviously, Wesley's been away for a couple of years now. Tax? Tax evasion, yeah. He owed, he, owed, mm. he owed the government a lot of money. Wow. And so he, he seemed to have put on a little bit of weight and grown his hair out a little bit. Prison food. And I wasn't really paying much attention either. I was trying to do a quick week because I was worried I was going to miss the start of the film. So, I think you know what we really want to know from this story, Chris. Is did you miss the start of the film? No. Good. I'm pleased about that. What's going to happen with Gary Barlow? Is he going to go to prison? It's a dream, um, isn't it? What for crimes against music? Oh. Oh. No, for tax dodging. He's, no. got, he's, got, he's already got a few criminal records. <laughs> hey. Um. No, he hasn't broken the law, has he? I thought that was the point. Wasn't oh it? yeah, he's if, just if evaded you pay it back. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's been clever with loopholes, but no. um. Hmm. I also went and saw Paris, Texas last night. Uh, classic Wim Wenders movie. From no relation the, uh, to Paris Hilton. That's what I was yeah. wondering. Thank you for that. Uh, Sam Mendes presented it as his epiphany screening, and it was very clumsily linked with his Charlie and the Chocolate Factory stage show, which they, is quite a strange Q&A afterwards. They are two Brilliant. things that just do not really gel. No, and yet poor Danny Lee, the host, was trying to make them... Trying to make Sam Mendes say how Paris, Texas influenced Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. What? And if you've seen Paris, Texas, it doesn't really. No. Uh, but Charlie and the Chocolate Factory looks quite good. Does the, it? The stage yeah. show. Yeah, Didn't... Dan saw it and liked it. Yeah. I think. Have you seen it? No, but one of my friends went and I think the, the glass elevator at the end broke down halfway through. Mm. And so they were kind of just suspended over the audience in a glass box, unable to really do or anything other than sing. If that, I would have squatted and done a poo. Oh, no. That would have just... <laughs> That's probably why you are not don't have a career in musical theatre anymore. Why I'm banned from most Western theatres. <laughs> yeah. But Mendes did say he's hard at work. Uh, they're hard at work on the Bond script, which is his next well, that's project. Nice to know. Yes. Yeah. Well, obviously not last night. He wasn't hard at work. He was dicking about no, introducing he, a film. Yeah, but he, he dashed off quite quickly. Did he? Yeah. Well, that's promising. Then maybe he had an idea. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, I've got to get this one in quick. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, news that's been happening this week. Okay, so the first piece of news we have is a little bit of news of the weird, if you will. So will. apparently the, you. the Pentagon has a battle plan in case of the zombie apocalypse. What? So, yeah, so CNN, reputable news source, mm. has seen an actual Department of Defense document laying out the U.S. military's plan in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Um, so we have the document on site, but supposedly a spokeswoman for the U.S. You're not meant to say that, are you? You meant to say spokesperson because it's... Luke, you're allowed to say spokeswoman. <sighs> I don't know if you are. So you're, anyway, you're gender neutral. Yeah, well, a spokesperson for it's the like, U.S. It's like an action man down there, Chris. <laughs> is it? Yeah, like a dolphin's <laughs> nose. When did he, why did he show you? This is when we do our news videos. We just kind of <laughs> share our, share our problems. So anyway, a spokesperson for the U.S. Strategic Command stressed the training document is not a U.S. Strategic Command plan. It says, so necessary steps that be taken for the public awareness, military contingencies, reconnaissance, the environment and civilian authority. And, um, and it ultimately stresses the importance of the headshot. No. Apparently really? So. Really chopped yeah. on my chewing gum. Is, is this a joke? Are you messing around? No. So by, by all Why accounts, are you wasting time on the podcast I'm with this not, nonsense? This is the kind of shit that we need to talk about here because no one else has given it the attention it deserves. I wonder how well, much... Brad Pitt is. Well, yeah. spent three hours doing it last summer. But will how it be much, shows how much money has the Pentagon wasted on this planning for a zombie apocalypse? Um, Sorry, only not apocalypse, attack. The only assumed way to effectively cause causalities to the zombie ranks... That does say causalities, but it's just say casualties. This the is nonsense. Ranks. You're making By tactical this up. force is the concentration of all fire power to the head, especially the brain. This is nonsense. You're making it up. I'm not. It this must is a real be. thing. It, I, I think this is some sort of spoof. Well, you talk to your mate Jim Vegvoda because he put it on the site and see what he said. Can we get him on the phone? Uh, he's probably in bed still. It's LA time. There. It's like five in the morning. Not or something. my problem. Supposedly, it's basically just an impossible scenario that can never be mistaken as a real plan. So it's a training doc. But whatever. Sorry, so that it's an impossible scenario. That's what spokeswoman said anyway. It's CNN that did this and not me. I'm reading to well, you. Why have you put it on the podcast running order? Because Krupa thought it would be add much needed levity. Are you passing the buck? Krupa asked Look, for you, levity. He's not on the podcast. See, well, he was. See what he's done there? He's pooed on the podcast by not being on it and just giving us nonsense he's, to talk he's about. He's framed me again. He's, he's having a laugh, mate. He's Let, mugged you he's off. He's mugged me right off. I'll Can you bring me. this back to some sort of truth sphere, yeah. Chris? Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> sphere. Next story, um, aliens have been found in Liverpool. What? No. <laughs> See, what about. He's, he's, Why have you done the Illuminati sign there, though? Is that, is that Illuminati? That Illuminati? I always do, though. I always do, <laughs> Oh, my God. I have secrets. Yeah, no, that's, that's the eye. It's getting dark. <laughs> it's getting dark, Well, yeah. out of the blue today, they started shooting Star Wars in the last week, uh, from what we know, and J.J. Abrams has released the first behind-the-scenes video and image. <coughs> None of us were expecting that. No. Nope. Um, it's to do with a charitable organisation that they've teamed up with, um... But yeah, it's it's a little video of him um, talking about the fact they're making the film and he's all very excited and happy and uh, telling people how they can get involved with this charity that's going to give money to UNICEF. Wow. But uh, at the same time, a little alien walks behind him, a little new Star Wars alien Aww. who looks very much practical and puppet and not CGI. Brilliant. Looks like something out of Labyrinth, like something that the Henson Workshop would have made. Nice. Uh, someone else pointed out he looked a little bit stoned as well. Not JJ, but the aliens. <laughs> but yeah, it's quite a funny little moment, and it's like it's just exciting. It's getting a little buzz, like it's, real. Oh, it's, it's happening. Uh, is this in Abu Dhabi that they're filming? Yeah, they're yeah. shooting in Abu Dhabi. Um, but the charity that they've launched um, to raise money, you can pledge ten dollars, mm. and everyone that pledges ten dollars gets a, gets entered into a contest <laughs> to visit the set when they're shooting in London and meet the cast and appear in the film. Can we do that? Can we put our money in? Anyone can. Oh, well. Go on. Maybe I will. Have you got $10? No. 
You haven't, have you? No. You're always skint. I know. For someone so upper class. Mind you, that's what they say about the upper class, isn't it? <clears throat> Never got actual any money. No, exactly. Got Why property, would you need it? Yeah. So they're going to make a fortune. Who? Star Wars. Oh, sorry. Oh, what's well, the charity? Yeah. A Force for Hope or something like that. Oh. Okay. But it's, it's, it's a UNICEF charity. Well, that's good. Mm, that's good. Awesome. It is exciting, though, isn't it, to know they're using <clears throat> puppets and, and animatronics and stuff like that. Yeah, because when a, when a big blockbuster is made and you kind of get you know behind the scenes videos of it and it's just all stuff against the green screen, you kind of go oh, a bit boring now. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look like much fun to shoot either. Doesn't no. I imagine it wouldn't be. But I do imagine it's quite difficult to get good performances where day after day you're just against green screen and nothing really changes. Like, do, you think, do you think that's what, what was wrong with Hayden Christensen? That's part. In fairness, that was blamed because I think Natalie Portman's actually quite good, but she's wooden as anything. Yeah. In those films, and Ewan McGregor, who has moments of brilliance. And no, he doesn't. Things. It's moments of tolerance and other things. Yeah. And he's not great. He's a vastly overrated actor, in my opinion, wouldn't you say? He's good in train spotting. Yeah. One what? film, Chris. One film. Moulin yeah. Rouge. Nobody comes out of Moulin Rouge smelling of roses, my friend. Jim Broadbent does. He has a lovely time. John, John Negrosamo does. <laughs> yeah, he looks great. <laughs> Little John. Um, uh, young Adam. Yeah. I have to take your word for that. Let's... What's Big Fish like? Something to do with fish. It depends how hungry you are. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> uh, it's all right. Okay. Right. Well, okay, we've done enough Ewan McGregor for now. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. um, <laughs> the box art of Far Cry 4 was released uh, this week to much hoo-ha. It was. So Far Cry 4 was officially announced and everyone was like, for about two minutes, everyone was excited. Well, and it was then, like, wow, am amazing. Fancy them releasing Far Cry 4. Who'd have thought that was going to happen? I know, right? But then everyone was like, oh, Dear God, it's racist, the box art. So, for those not in the know, there is a lighter-skinned, blonde-haired man sitting on a desecrated statue while resting his hand on a kneeling, darker-skinned man. So, of course, everyone was immediately like, well, this is racist. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth, the um, game, the lead art director um, has come forward, um, Tom Hutchinson, and I think his name's Hutchinson? No, Alex Hutchinson, sorry, um, and said, just so it's clear for those jumping to conclusions, he's not white and that's not the player. Um, mm. So, for st I don't know why anyone kind of would have assumed it was racist realistically because, like, you know, Vass is on the front cover of Far Cry 3. Yeah. He's the bad guy. Yeah. This guy is clearly a despot who has, and we know some plot details have leaked, he's kind of, he's um a despot who's kind of taken over this village and is like subduing all the inhabitants. So just because it's depicting a character who's racist or a character who's a despot, all of that, doesn't mean the artist is. You know, it's not an endorsement right. of this guy's views. So, um, and surely, you know, we're taking this guy down. We're, you know, freeing the natives in theory. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think it's a storm in a teacup. Um, but, you know... It's it just goes to show how quickly these things can get whipped up. You yeah. know, it would it only takes one person to to tweet about how they find it mildly offensive or something, mm. and the whole thing just gets completely out of control within seconds. Well, like you know, I'm I understand I understand the need for kind of equality in games and all of that, but there's you're seeing issues where there aren't any, and you just don't need to do that. Yeah, we were talking with Thomas Tull about that the other day. He's the head of Legendary Pictures, who've released Godzilla, mm. and we were asking him about the fact that people were saying Godzilla's fat in it. And it was just based, he said it, one Japanese person s saw a picture or something and tweeted it, and suddenly it's become a story, the Japanese thing, Godzilla's fat. Mm. You've seen the film, he's not fat. Nobody's saying that, it's one person has put it out there. Yeah. That's it, the story, it, one person thinks Godzilla is fat. That's the story. And they might not have even thought that, they might have thought, oh, I'll put this out there. And As see a if joke, I yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't understand the world anymore. No. I don't, Chris. I mean, I don't want to bring things down, bring proceedings down, but... 
I'm just fairly depressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's understandable. Good. So, th- so that's it would do s- wonders for ratings if you killed yourself <laughs> on the show. I'll just put well, it out especially there. now, especially now we're doing video as well. Yeah, as video. it'd be great. Uh, in case you're listening go- and not watching, tune in. Um, do go viral. So is that the second non-story you've read out today, Luke? <laughs> well, it is. Um, the third, I promise the third one is a real story. But yeah, I, so I think we're all in agreement that this is not This is racism. not a story. This is not racist yeah. and the Pentagon aren't planning for a zombie attack. No. Yeah. I can't wait to hear your final story. My final story is good, I promise. Are zombies racist? That's his final story. <laughs> Bringing the two together. Um, Meanwhile, Blockbuster News. Yeah, this is not... Not, not Blockbuster the this video. This is non-news people. as well, really. No. <laughs> no. Well, well, well. But non-news that I bloody created. Okay. Um, So I had a sit down with Hugh Jackman a little while ago to talk, do an early interview about X-Men Days of Future Past. And I got chatting with him about how annoying it is that all the different studios uh, own rights to different characters. And so superheroes that would team up in the comic books can't team up on screen. And he was saying that is frustrating. And I said, well, pretend you're that eight-year-old kid who doesn't care about studios and this and that. And you could have your dream team up. What would it be? And he said... Easy, I'd love to see Wolverine join the Avengers. I think it should happen. And I said to him, well, you know, when superheroes meet each other for the first time, they have to fight each other in the comics. And he's like, well, that's easy. He'd fight Hulk. They've both got anger management issues. And he said, I'd love to see Logan like have some banter with Tony Stark as well and the two of them falling out. And he, you could see how excited he was getting, just kind of talking and talking it out. And I was just like, yes. Did his, did his bathrobe fall open? Yeah, and like... Uh, loads of adamantium claws came out <laughs> it was weird um, yeah it was just it was just nice to see him talk quite honestly because normally when you interview actors they kind of clam up when you talk about rights issues and, yeah. and what the studio can and can't do that they work for but he was all over it so and I'd never really thought about it wouldn't it be awesome to see that fight on screen wouldn't it yeah, yeah it really would he was, he was just saying though that although it would be awesome to watch he said it would be quite hard it would be quite painful for him to shoot because Hulk's a CG character whereas I'm the one that's going to be beaten up yeah, yeah. very true <laughs> Because wasn't it Spider-Man who everyone was saying originally should be in the... He's in the Avengers, right? Yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and we've we've been asking Avi Arad about that. So it was just nice to have a bit of speculation with him. And there's another story we're running uh, I haven't posted yet, but will might be up by the time the podcast goes live. And that's um, him saying, kind of admitting that they messed up Deadpool a little bit Mm. in X-Men Origins Wolverine and that he'd like to go back and and do that again and, and, and make a really good... Wolverine Deadpool movie, which I'm sure will get the fans excited. What do we do? We know if this is his last hurrah. Is, is uh, no, he's Wolverine? he's doing one more Wolverine and one more X Men movie, mm-hmm. and then they're talking about him retiring. But when I was chatting to him, he said, although I know I should and my body might give up, he said, I don't want to really, and I don't like the idea of someone else playing this character. Yeah. and they're never going to retire Wolverine, right? Like no. the character. No, Good so I think he'll go as long as he, as long as he can until he drops. Yeah. And of course, didn't didn't Mark Miller write Old Man Logan, yeah. which is kind of the Unforgiven take on, on, on him so that would be awesome to see in, that would, in 20 it? years time or yeah. something what well, a lovely goodbye that would be mm. Mm. good stuff lovely stuff last oh. bit of news Luke so yeah it, real news but old news um, oh. so Halo 5 Guardians we didn't discuss this last week so I felt that we should kind of bring it up um, so Halo 5 is real it's mm-hmm. called Halo 5 Guardians um, and it is coming out not this year as was originally thought but it is coming out in autumn 2015 okay quite a delay so, Why? Why is that? I guess, well, <clears throat> there's been lots of snide jokes about them wanting to take all the Kinect features out. Yeah. But um, I reckon it's probably to do with the fact that, you know, we've heard rumours about Halo 2 Anniversary coming in November mm. um, with beta access to a multiplayer section of Halo 5. Um, and now that that's been upgraded to the 
Master Chief Collection of Halo, oh. which will be Halos 1 through 4 remastered for Xbox One. Should we do a Master Chef joke at this point? No. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I think... It looks as exciting as it ever did. There's nothing really new. <laughs> oh, to there's get... damning it with faint no, praise. No, <laughs> I like Halo. It's exciting, but it's yeah. very, very far away. I like Halo. It's not my favourite of the games. I do like, I will say, I do like Halo 3 multiplayer a lot. So if this Master Chief collection does turn out to be real, that's exciting. Mm. Because I, I did, had a lot of good times at university with Halo 3 multiplayer. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Everyone else out getting laid at me there on my own at home. <laughs> it was fun. Okay. So uh, let's congratulate Luke on what was almost a story he yeah, just well told. So, Thank well you, yeah. You know. Video game to be released next year. And I don't think I actually wrote any of those stories on the site, so there you go. Uh, we move on this week. Uh, Daniel Kruper is not here at the moment, but he was here earlier on in the week, and mm. he had an interview. Uh, mm. He spoke to somebody over at Machine Games, which is the company responsible for Wolfenstein. Mm. Wolfenstein? Wolfenstein? I knew you were going to do the accent. I knew. <laughs> on the day it was Wait, released. He? Did he? Yeah, well, on the, on the day that Wolfenstein was released, so... That's how important we are here. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this is what he had to say. Today I'm joined by the narrative designer at Machine Games. This is Tommy Torton Bjork. Have I pronounced that correctly, Tommy? Yeah, that's kind correct. Of? Okay. I've got an <laughs> unusual surname, so everyone kind of messes that up all the time. <laughs> okay. Um, so Wolfenstein, the New Order, or Wolfenstein, yeah. um, came out today. Um, yes. And reviews came out today as well. Um, yeah. Firstly, what's it like um, when reviews come out for your brand new game? What's that kind of process like? Is it quite nerve-wracking? Oh, it is, definitely. I, I, I mean, I woke up at 6 o'clock <laughs> just to check out the reviews. So uh, it's definitely exciting, sort of like going on a first date. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what's... Um, so what have you thought of the kind of initial reviews? They're kind of a lot of positive ones, and then it seems kind of a bit of a split. It seems overwhel It seems mostly positive there. Yeah, I mean, uh, game has just come out, and we're just excited to to see everyone's reaction to it and uh, see how uh, the fans like it. And uh, I think it's really exciting. Yeah. Um, so firstly, um, Wolfenstein is a very famous kind of name within video games. It's one of the first shooters yeah. back in 1981. Um, wondering what it was like making a new installment in that franchise. Was it was the original game, the original series an active influence or does it now kind of function as a kind of, I don't know, a form of nostalgia? Oh, it was definitely uh, major uh, influence, especially the the 1992 version Wolfenstein mm -hmm. 3D by id Software. That was sort of our main uh, source of inspiration for this installment uh, to go back to the to the roots of the first-person shooter genre. Uh, but we also have um, elements of uh, the first. Uh, Wolfenstein game, which came out in 1981, which was this uh, fusion of uh, stealth and uh, action gameplay as well. So we have that in, in this game as well, where you can, uh, as a player, you can choose between uh, doing a more deliberate gameplay style with the more stealth focus or going in with dual wielding assault rifles just guns blazing yeah that that element kind of surprised me because i guess from the lot of the marketing campaign it's played up kind of the more kind of gunplay for obvious mm. reasons um yeah. but there is a there is a lot of stealth sections where your kind of primary weapon is a knife um mm. 
why was that important? Was it again to go back to the kind of spirit of the series? Yeah, I think so, and also to uh, to give uh, partly to give uh, players a uh, great variety in how they can choose to approach combat, but also it uh, gives us opportunity to to change the pacing. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not just uh, always uh, hitting this same note over and over, but we can. Uh, provide a variety there so do you, do you perceive that as a something of a problem within the modern shooter this kind of ratchet ratcheting up to 11 constantly trying every set piece <coughs> to outdo the last one yeah i, th I think I think especially when you have uh, uh, with the game experiences, you have this. Uh, it's it's such a a vast amount up, so that uh, it doesn't become tedious or you know becomes a chore. So you have to change the pacing and change give give the give it a lot more variety in what gameplay scenarios you uh, put the players in. Um, so I think that's uh, incredibly important, uh, just like it is when when you have a TV series, uh, you want to to uh, to have a variety in there as well. Um, you spoke about going back and kind of channeling the spirit of Wolfenstein. What mm. kind of still marks it out from a lot of shooters? We mentioned briefly kind of um, kind of that stealth element, but is it is it just Nazis? What else is it? What else is it that defines Wolfenstein still? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely, of course, this pure, uh, this uh, action shooter uh, uh, element is uh, definitely part of it. But also the mix of um, of uh, the alternate history uh, type of setting, which it's always, almost always been since the Wolfenstein 3D mm -hmm. uh, game came out, where you have this dark science fiction uh, amidst this uh, World War II setting, uh, I think it's sort of uh, a sign signature thing with uh, Wolfenstein. Um, actually, that kind of leads on very nicely to a question from an IGN um, reader who came into our office um, for a Wolfenstein event. And this is from Colin Fur. He says, how much research did you do on the actual Nazi party from World War II and their plans for Europe once they had won the war? Is there any of that kind of material out there that says what their kind of the next stage in their kind of grand plan was or... Yeah, I mean, we did a lot of research because we wanted to get that history right. After, I mean, when you do a, an alternate history, uh, you want to sort of ground it in that reality and then take it off into another direction. Uh, but there are a lot of uh, things you can read up on how, how they planned uh, to... Uh, what their plans were uh, once they had won the war. Uh, so, for instance, how uh, Berlin would be turned into this uh, uh, this uh, Germ Germania, it was called, mm -hmm. uh, which would be the hub of the world, sort of. Um, but there were uh, we spent a lot of uh, time uh, researching both uh, both how the I ideology, of course. Uh, uh, but also plans for technology, architecture, stuff like that uh, was uh, important to to create this dystopic environment that, where you can feel the oppression of the of the Nazis overbearing mm. the the world. Um, so it's got a very strong kind of background to it, and it's a very strongly realized world. But there's also, I think a lot of reviews today were picking up on this, that it does something mm. that kind of a lot of modern shooters don't do, and it has an investment in character. 
And mm. obviously you can talk more about that being the narrative designer, but was it like, was it always crucial to integral to the plan for this game to have this kind of clutch of kind of well-drawn characters? Mm. Yeah, uh, of course, uh, that, that was uh, uh, one of the, um, the things that we are very passionate about here at Machine Games. And we ha we've always been uh, passionate about that, uh, which you can see in uh, games like Chronicles of uh, Riddick or Darkness, which uh, many of us worked on, mm -hmm. where we, we believe in telling a good story uh, in games and uh, creating... Uh, interesting uh, well-developed characters is uh, uh, is really important to us and I mean when you experience uh, a story and uh, meet characters in uh, in a first-person game it becomes so much more immersive and I think you can do a lot of things with that which you can't uh, when you tell stories in in other media like uh, books or movies that's interesting you say in the first person genre, the first person kind of mm. perspective that video games give creates very strong emotional attachments. But is there kind yeah. of, on the other side, does the genre of a first person shooter kind of make it harder to do those kind of story character based narratives? It seems like a lot of other um, examples in the genre struggle to do it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's partly why we, we, uh, we prefer not to call it a, a first-person shooter, but a first-person action adventure, okay. because there's uh, a lot more to do than just shooting. Uh, and um, I think that maybe we shouldn't be so restricted to that uh, word. I mean, it's a first-person experience. Uh, that's sort of, uh, maybe that's more what you want to start with and then... Uh, then you can try to explore what kind of gameplay scenarios can we use uh, where you have this first-person experience. Yeah, I agree. Like, I imagine like, a lot of people when they approach a game, they don't think of a genre in mind. They think of the game they want to make. The, kind of the yeah. genre is a byproduct of how games are marketed these days. And mm. obviously, FPSs are hugely popular. Now, I want to talk about something else with the kind of the marketing of the game. And this is something another IGN reader picked upon. This is Himesh yeah. Jadev. He says that... He thinks, that in, obviously, Inglorious Bastards seems to be kind of an influence in a lot of the marketing, uh, more yeah. than the game, he says. Is that true? Would you say it's it's kind of more prominent in the kind of trailers for the game than the game itself? Mm. Uh, there is a bit of uh, that influence from the spirit of that uh, movie, uh, definitely. Uh, and that movie is, uh, is sort of an uh, alternate history movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so... Uh, there is some of that, definitely. Maybe it's more apparent in the trailers, but um, uh, we we definitely have it in. And as I said before, we wanted to uh, provide a great uh, variety in the, the what what tones and what notes we keep uh, hitting in both in the story and the gameplay. Um, so there's a great variety in it. Um, I wanted to talk about something more serious about obviously the content which the game depicts. You know, it's depicting you know, uh, you know, unspeakable atrocities, incineration yeah. chambers. Uh, my grandma herself was in a prisoner of war camp. She was tattooed. Mm. Um, and it seems like the game does want to make a kind of a statement about the suffering of war and how it touches individual people and kind of ruins mm. their lives. Mm. Is, that, is that what you wanted to do? But at the same time, were you kind of 
I, I don't know, conflicted about the fact that you want to do that, but at the same time, it is a kind of action adventure game. There's kind of a, a little bit of a tension that. Um, mm. And by that, I mean, like, you can watch kind of a, a war film and you come away from Schindler's List, for instance, thinking it's a great movie, but you might mm. not say particularly that you enjoyed it. Whereas I think with mm. the game, there's more pressure to enjoy the experience. Mm. Well, I think that uh, uh, that you can have a great variety of emotions that you can experience. Uh, and uh, we have like a 20-hour uh, um, long experience here. And I think you can can uh, you have room to to uh, to have different a lot of different experiences and i think for us it was really important to uh, when we built this world which was ruled by the nazis that it, we wanted to show uh, the horrors of this world and uh, we wanted it to feel the themes of this uh, to be uh, feel authentic so that was definitely important for us i think um, yeah, I think it's a much more interesting game than um, I, I was expecting. I hadn't really followed it in the kind of pre-release at all. I hadn't played yeah. it until a review copy came in. But I think it's a much more interesting game than I was ever expecting. Um, so now that you've finished work on um, this game, um, we've got the final question here is from Tarek Osmond, who says the future of Wolfenstein. It seems like it's already been a kind of critical success. Um mm -hmm. Obviously, a lot of these things are contingent on sales figures, as always. But does yeah. um, Wolfenstein have a future at Machine Games? Uh, definitely. Uh, we'll definitely have to see how this, uh, how how the fans, uh, how the fans like this uh, installment. But uh, we have so many uh, plans for for the future. Uh, obviously, I can't can't spoil <laughs> anything. <laughs> but. Uh, but I think there's it's such a rich world that we've created, and there's so many things you can do with it. Um, so uh, we have a lot of opportunities to with diff different things to do with it, uh, and we, it would be really exciting to to have the opportunity to do that. Was there was there anything that you wanted to put in this game and had to take out at the last minute, or? Uh, it feels like it, we got pretty much uh, the game uh, that we set out to do, uh, which is great. It's not yeah, it's uh, unusual often that you get yeah. to do that. Yeah. So 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 we had this goal in mind, and now here we are. <laughs> it's it's great. Great. Um, that's it. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you for giving us your time Thank today. You. Um, Thank out now on a variety of formats. Interesting stuff. I'm guessing because I didn't actually listen to that. Me neither. Through the magic of, of editing, we're actually just seconds away from when we were before we did that bit. Yep, but nothing don't, has don't, changed. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell them, Pike. Moving on to feeder update. Feeder update? Feedback <laughs> update. Feeder update. Now, we love what? the band Feeder here, yeah. so what have they been up to? Damn. Those Welsh rockers. Doing very well. Better <laughs> than Lost Profits. So oh, there you go. Oh, God, too soon? What? Not too soon. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, first bit of feedback this week comes from... Toby Fisher. Who says, as an old fan of Power Rangers, I'm thinking about how Lionsgate is going to make the film appeal to teenagers. The only way I can think they do it is by giving them black suits rather than wearing the multicoloured rubber suits. But I'm not sure which way would be better, whether they should make the movie stick to its roots or just make it more Transformers and trying to badassarise it. Um, is that a word? It is now. There's lots of hyphens in it. Yeah, what, where? Well, oh, it's double D, which I, I think like is... I like badassarise. Badassarise. Well, we I'm should use it. try and get badassarised tonight. Are you? Yeah. Have a curry. Um, <laughs> so, basically, I don't think they... I think they need to keep the coloured shoots. 
because I like the coloured suits and that's the point. It's the pink ranger and the green yeah. ranger and the red ranger. But I guess they could be clever and just have like piping, pink piping and green piping and blue piping. No? What are you piping? You know, you have piping, don't you? Around your collars and around your... your... Oh, I thought you meant like full-blown plumbing and I was like, that, that would be weird. They're not like... <laughs> Powered by steam. Have you had your plumbing full blown? Hey! Don't talk to me about plumbers. No, oh, oh, yeah, Tilly's had a bad week. I forgot to ask, how did it go? 450 quid to fix my bathroom. Oh, dear. Gone in two hours. Really? Oh, just so depressing. Was it an O ring? Oh, Stuart, stop bringing the conversation down. I'm just asking, mate. <laughs> just asking. Just the way I'm sitting. Remember that really cold winter we had about two years back yes I went well, I was the last person leaving my university house and I was like oh you know what I'll do everyone a real favour I'll um I'll turn the heating off because why are we leaving the heating on so yeah I turned the heating off and obviously all the water in the pipes froze and expanded and burst the pipes how much was that that was um, about 200 quid oh that's cheap yeah I know well you, you I, just had, I just had a little leak I had to um, do some other things to get that, that cheap <laughs> we can stop recording if it's you want it's dribbling down my leg um, <laughs> sorry we've gone off on a yeah so tangent. Power Rangers I think should definitely keep the coloured suit um, and I think you I think you can still appeal to teenagers you just make the fights less kind of hiya and like kind of all it's racist that is racist not my words that is far cry racist not my not wow. my words I've forgotten who makes Power Rangers Bandai Saban? Saban, I think it is. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, so it's their words. Anyway, so I think you what, keep What, they their... actually used those words to describe Power Rangers? Did they, Luke? Did they? Did they? Did they? They put did those they? words did in they? their mouths. Did they? Did they? Is this live that I'm doing? Did they? Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt. So, Duck yes, Hunt! I think they should keep it like they did. Anyway. Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt. Paul Hope has written in uh, saying Duck Hunt, which has become our new cry. Yep. Uh, so thanks for that, Paul. He says, I'm li- really pleased about this because I didn't think anybody was going to write in and say Duck Hunt this week. I was really upset that it was going to die on the dying wither on the vine. Uh, this has been my gift to the podcast, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. Duck Hunt. Um, I was listening to another of your podcasts from the IGN family. All are good, but lack the witty British humour, which I love. Thank you. Uh, and one of the editors made a comment about how peripherals such as the instruments including the rock band are now in the garbage. Aww. I still love playing those games, but I realise I must be in the minority. With the news that Microsoft is to stop bundling the Kinect with the Xbox, is this indicative of the end of peripherals? Other less successful creations come to mind, such as the iToy and PlayStation Move. And the Tony Hawk's skateboard. Yes. And Remember that? that. I've the, the Wii Fit board. Remember when you couldn't get one for love nor money? That's right. Yeah, for about two months. <laughs> for about two months. I'm on one right now. <laughs> Here you go. It was going to change. It was going to revolutionise Porky's, wasn't it? Everybody was going to be slim and healthy yeah. because they were going to stand on a Wii board for ten minutes every single day. And that and now it's gone. I miss all my rock band stuff though. I used to really enjoy playing. That. I still yeah. got my Guitar Hero guitar, the Guitar Hero Three guitar. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, it's weird because you've got so harmonics now doing. Uh, Disney, you know, Fantasia, Music Evolves. So yeah. that's, that's a Kinect game um, in which you kind of conduct. Um, that I might don't know. be fun. I, Move, I don't think Move is dead. Move still has some life left in it. And you've got the Morpheus, obviously. Well, is Move going... is going to partner with Morpheus, we think, don't we? Exactly. So, and I'd, I, I'd count more. Would you count Morpheus as a peripheral, an Oculus Yes. Rift? I think yeah, I would. I think so. Yeah. So I, I think it's just moving in new directions, isn't it? Less plastic tat, more expensive tat. Exactly. Yeah, I guess. Bigger margins. Of course. He adds that Stuart is still the oldest man in the world. I think that's probably about right. That's a fair point, yeah. Hey, Joshua Pickett-Smith has written in. Oh, I remember him from his friend who wrote in. That's right. Hello, guys. I realise your illustrious podcast has now devolved into a very drawn-out messaging service. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. But just to let you know, I did work in a pub with Mark a few years back. He too was a stand-up bloke, and as you can imagine, he's never been afraid of piping up with some kind of wisecrack without needing any invitation. (laughs) 
I don't know these two are friends. But I do acknowledge how ridiculous my idea sounded, so Mark, I'll let you have that one. Cheers, guys. Keep up the good work. Um, Apologies, but I didn't listen to last week's podcast. What the hell's going on? So someone wrote in last week, because Josh... Josh has written in a couple Josh. of times now. I think we can call him Josh. I think third time yeah. he becomes friend of the podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. So Josh, Piggy. Piggy, let's call him Piggy. Piggy, Piggy's written in a couple of times before. Piggy Smith. And he has, and someone else wrote in last week being like... Mark. Mark wrote Mark. in saying, Joshua Piggott Smith? Is that the Joshua Piggott Smith I used to work with? Yeah. Well, you know what? As you can probably tell, he was a really nice bloke, but as his letters show... Not one for good ideas. Not really an ideas man. Oh, and so we were like... funny. And so, anyway, he's... The piggies, and I went back in and said... Yeah. Can't they take this offline or maybe do Friends it Reunited ha- charge a subscription. We are okay. free. So, <laughs> there you go. But there you go. They know each other. That's nice. That's nice to know. Let's, let's end that conversation there. Great. Alex Burton says, Hi, chaps. Love the podcast. Um, in episode two... Podcast? Two- <laughs> podcast? Lukey boy. <laughs> Okay. I've got a cold. That's Freudian just not slip. Been... Yeah, I've got a cold. Yeah. Um, like being prodded. In episode 231, Daniel mentioned the visionaries, which no one else seems to remember. I certainly do and agree it would make a good film or even series reboot. When reminiscing, I remembered about the Dino Riders also and how this would look on a big screen. Jurassic Park meets Avatar with the way they communicate through tech instead of ponytails when they talk to the dinosaurs. Now, I don't know what Visionaries is, Mm. but Daniel mentioned it last week and I didn't know what it was then. Okay, now I can explain what Visionaries was, is and could be because Dylan Wynne has written in. So you should be aware that there was also a photo attached to that email. Which I've cut off. Oh, well done. Well, I saw it on the email, though. There you go. It so cool. <clears throat> Dylan exactly. Wynn says, Yo. Yo. Yo, Dylan. Visionaries was dope. Mm. Well, I am. Is it? Hey. Awesome to hear a name check, as I loved it back in the day. The toys were really cool, and the cartoon stroke comics were awesome, too. The toys were a larger version of the Hasbro G.I. Joe line with the same articulation and posability. They came with unique animal totems represented as holograms on their chest and a staff-type banner thing with a holographic deity that they could call upon like a special move. They started out in the back of Marvel UK Transformers comic, which I own every issue of, and it told the tale of a distant super-advanced planet much like Earth on the verge of a celestial event. A planetary alignment sends this technological paradise into a medieval savage landscape, the total antithesis of what it was. Magic rises to take over technology and the world is thrown into a Mad Max survival story, but with an Excalibur vibe, the dark John Borman film. Forces of good and evil arise from the ashes and become the knights of the magical light, the magic being the animalistic avatars the characters can project from their chest armour and fuse with, plus the superpower deities that inhabit their staffs. Like the hero leader Lyric, whose avatar thingy is a lion, has the god of wisdom as his superpower. Super dope, super awesome. You know, you don't have to read. I was going to say, you probably could have highlighted selected bits of that. Just a couple of bits. You wanted to know what what visionaries were. I don't know if I'm necessarily any the wiser. Wikipedia. Mm. I thought we were running a little bit short this week, so I thought I'd just pad it out. Okay. Well, you've also highlighted all of my next one, but Tilly's next, I think. Yeah, okay. Well, you can edit as we go then. I will. Feel free. Because that goes well, doesn't it? Always. (laughs) Guaranteed. (laughs) Um, This is from Adam Kwan, who says, uh, Stu was right, which is something we've never had an email on that subject before. (laughs) Six Um, years. Six (laughs) years of waiting to hear those words. Uh, 
with digital filmmaking, you absolutely can release two different versions of one film easier than ever. The Wolverine being an example. James Mangold fought for the R-rated cut of the film, but had to settle for it when the DVD and Blu-ray was released. The DVD um, still had the 12 rating, but there was a good plethora of alterations that made the film more violent with the addition of blood, squibs, limb breaks, and swear words. Yay! Not sound like a loony tune, but it was 100 times better than the cinematic release. <coughs> I've avoided certain films in the cinema after I read that there was a director's cut coming out because I felt I was going to see half a film. Uh, I've heard that. I, I've thought that a few times as well, and I think I did that with The Wolverine as well. Mm. Um, but then I went to watch it in a hotel room and fell asleep. So that backfired. Amazing. But equally, I feel like sometimes when they tell you there's going to be a director's cut coming, it's a marketing ploy yeah. to get you to double dip. Yeah, the longer, harder, unrated version. Yeah, particularly, it's come with, horror, particularly yeah. with horror films. And comedy as well a lot of the time. They just have a few Too Fs crude, and Jeffs yeah. in there. And, and then... I've got lots of horror directors who've released the version they wanted in cinemas, but then had to do the harder cut. Really? Yeah, the so-called director's cut. Yeah, definitely. Oftentimes so they're they get... actually happy with the one that goes, yeah. Definitely. I won't name any names. Okay. Um, he also said, I was scared pooless. Uh, <laughs> I think we can say shit. I forget which where we shipless. drew the line. I'm saying ship. Right. As in both. Okay. I was scared shipless by Paul Verhoeven's films when I was younger, but ironically avoided seeing the remake of Robocop because it was too tame. I think we all could feel that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which leads on nicely to uh, this missive from Simon White in Chelmsford in Essex. I was a huge Robocop fan with lots of action figures and I constantly bothered my parents to let me see the film, which they wouldn't let me do due to the violent scenes. So my dad got two VCRs and edited me my own version of the classic movie, taking out anything that was non-child-friendly. The Robocop kids version clocked in at 27 minutes... <laughs> and was my favourite movie for a number of years. I now realise how much work this was for my dad, Graham White. What a legend. That's amazing. That's well done, now, Graham White. What the hell happens in Robocop when there's no violence, sex or drugs or swearing? Simon, if you've still got the video... 27 minutes, about Can you get a copy of the video to us? Because I would absolutely love to see that version of the film. So one minute he's a man and the next he's a robot and you've got no explanation as to what's <laughs> happened. Because that's about the most violent bit in the film. He must have been, you must have been so confused. Talk about having to fill in the blanks. But this is also confusing. He, he says here, I should add that he didn't edit all of Paul Verhoeven's classics as a few years later he took me, aged nine... What? And my brother, aged 14 to see Starship Troopers in the cinema, oh. not realising it was an 18 certificate. Oh, there's some great boob in that. Oh, there is and some a bit of excellent boobage. Yeah. <laughs> what did nine-year-old Simon, Simon think of that? Of that? Good God. That's, that's quite remarkable. I'm not sure if that's fantastic parenting or abusive parenting. Did you pick up the Nazi metaphors when you were nine years old? <laughs> It's a bloody good film, that, though, Starship oh, Troopers. I haven't watched film. that in a long Maybe time. Maybe give the sequels a miss, though. Yeah, and the remake. Did we have the remake? Nah, it never happened. Didn't it? Never happened. I only, watched, only actually tried to watch the first sequel. I'm sure people were right and saying, oh, they're good. The sequels were good. Um, I only watched the first sequel, and I, watched, I managed about half an hour. It was so dire and boring. Was it, yeah? But I think Casper Van Diem's rejoined the franchise recently, oh, so... Lord. It's good news. Yeah, that's great news. Did you self-edit for this? Uh, I haven't of... tried yet. I'm going to do All it on right. the fly. Here we go. You threatened me. Um, so Emmanuel Begom, going to go with that. Would you say that? Begom? Where? Begombe. 
I don't think so. Emmanuel Bigombe. I so, bet you it's Emmanuel well, Bigombe. Whoever you are, Emmanuel. Um, you're an expat who lives in Hungary and you're an avid gamer. So Hungary is part of the market segment that no one really gives a... We agreed that we could say ship. 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 No yeah. one gives a ship about. But a he's an English-speaking expat in Hungary. So he belongs to a segment no one really gives even less of a ship about. Yeah. Um, so hang on. He's English-speaking. He's English-speaking yeah. and, he's and he lives expat. in Hungary. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so Hungary doesn't get a lot of games, but English-speakers in Hungary get even fewer games. It's his argument. Okay. So, with the release of Assassin's Creed 4 came out um, with major Eastern European subtitles and text um, in Hungarian. Uh, didn't have the option of having it in English, so all menus, subtitles, in-game text were Hungarian. And same with Dishonored. So, he used Google Translate and YouTube to get through them, um, but he feels he missed a lot of the experience. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Watch Dogs is set to get the same treatment. Yeah. So, he guess he can expect the same. He says, I doubt it makes any sense to order from the UK, because my PS4 is likely region-locked. Even the IGN app is region-locked to my PS4, and I had to create an American account to use it. As far as I know, PS4s are not region locked. I didn't think they were either. PS3s definitely were not region locked. I don't know. <laughs> but as far as I'm aware, now, it, they are not region locked. Here's the thing. If you knew this was the situation for the previous generation, wouldn't you have just bought a British PS4 or a British Xbox One and had your games imported? Is there or, a reason to not do that? Or not move to Hungary. That's... Maybe he had to move to Hungary, Chris. Mm. Maybe he's a spy. Yeah, Chris. Shit. Might have given the game away. We may have given yeah. the game away. Ship. Ship. So what do you think? I mean, would that, would you not do that? If you had to live, live somewhere where you knew this was a problem? Or maybe the exchange rate is terrible and you couldn't get one. I don't know. Come I don't on, know Luke. why you wouldn't. But, well, I don't. I wasn't aware that the PS4 was out in Hungary. Not, neither was I. Well, there you go. So you can. Uh, look, I remember because my. Yes, I do remember. My best. Hey, hey. <laughs> can I just say, we've made a massive mess of this response to this email. Yeah. No, but we are look, all over the place. You know we what? are flailing. You we know are drowning. What? You know what? If Emmanuel cared, he could have Googled RPS4's region locked. He wrote in for Bants, and my God, is he getting. He's them. been banted to the max. He is getting Bants all over the Manny. place. Good old Manny. Manny, send us some more details, though, because I want to know why did he oh, buy. He does actually sign it, Manny. I know. I, I saw that. Oh. Yeah. Manny I thought you were just, like, affectionately abbreviating and doing a damn good job. Thanks. So, yeah. I have a question for Manny. Well, why, did, why did you go to Hungary? Yeah, let us know. Let us know why you went to Hungary and also Google... They're not region locked. That's a fact because okay. I know they're not region locked. So good. import your games and have a lovely time. And also uh, let us know if you know Joshua Piggott-Smith, Manny. You might do. Everyone seems to. Yeah. Go I go have piggy. the email of the week here. It's an email that put, <laughs> that put a smile on everyone's face when they received it in the team. Uh, it's from uh, a gentleman called Joshua Woodward, who says, Howdy. Howdy, Joshua. Duck hunt. I love the podcast and listen every week. That's a nice start. It is. I run a new bar in Covent Garden called <gasps> The Craft Beer Co. Yes. Wait a minute. I can't sponsor you, sadly, but I will buy you guys a drink if you ever fancy popping down sometime. You guys rock. Thanks, Josh. Now. The, now the deep irony of this. This is interesting. Yes. So... About what? Maybe a month ago, was it Alex was saying that he wanted to start up a beer club, a craft, craft beer, beer club. club. Yeah. And he was looking for a venue. Mm-hmm. And he said one of the venues that drew his eye was this craft beer place that mm-hmm. he was like, we should go and check it out. And so in actual fact, I don't think it was last Friday. It was, it the, was last, oh, Friday. last Friday. We were going to go down there. We were heading down there at four. We were going to knock off early and at go four there. and go and like have a chill out and have a reflection on the week. And we all got kind of a bit swamped. And so yeah. we didn't make it. Didn't go. But you were on our radar, friend. And, and then this email came in. Promising us a free round that we were going to pay for anyway. 
I'm going to go down this road. Well, no, he def- he's getting free advert now. Yeah, yeah. we should definitely so get. No, well, he's that's sunk that's now. got to be a burger as well then for for all this. All this. I'm uh, not a big fan of beer, so if there is wine available, I would. But well, we can work that out. The Craft Beer Company in Covent Garden. There you go. You can use that one, <laughs> and that's that's got to be worth bag of chips. Also does wine. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Josh. I mean, we definitely take you up on that offer. I'm thinking about going there this Friday. I hope you listen to the podcast as soon as it goes live. And yes. And you can greet me with open arms when I come in at about 6 p.m. You should wear your ducking Chris Tilly T-shirt so he knows who you are. Yeah. <laughs> Blast from the past. Yeah. That's it for feeder update back. Feedback update. It feels like it's been really short. Well, we have that bit in the middle that we didn't. But I don't know how long that bit in the middle is. Okay. I mean, you know, maybe it's just short. That's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com Qu- is the email address. Quite a few people have asked us to change that. We're des- I think we are trying to change it. We- I don't know why we don't just make an outside account. Like- oh, I don't think we're trying that hard. <laughs> I think we, just make a- we could just make a Gmail account and just then, because all of them we don't have to wade through other emails, right? It's the same address for the superhero show as well. Yeah, yeah it's really confusing. And, um, yeah, I think Daniel won't change it just because he knows how much it annoys me every week. And equally, I can't remember it every week, even though it's been like that for two years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, so we, we may change it, we may not. Basically, yeah. it depends if one of us can get off our arse and... Yeah. Can we change it to something completely random and bizarre? Pink Flavingo, is it? Yeah, or Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt at IGN.com. I'm happy with that. All right, we'll work but on that. But that's not it right now. Don't right send now it. No, don't no, send right it. No, right now it's IGN lost. underscore yeah. UK feedback at IGN.com. Uh, let's move on. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. It's great. Seamless. Pace. To uh, games and movies that are coming out this week. Chris, hit us up with the list of movies that are going to entertain us or otherwise this week. There are four films coming out this week to talk about, and I've seen one of them. <laughs> This is going to be short. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so we've got Fading Gigolo, uh, directed by John Turturro and starring Woody Allen. Apparently very good. Is that a yeah. sequel to Juice Bigelow? Juice Bigelow, Fading Gigolo. <laughs> Could be. I don't know. Do we still like Woody Allen? I don't know how we well, feel about Woody Allen right now. Apparently his performance in this is is remarkable. It's not like, a, it's not like hey, what are, what are you crazy? What am I able to yeah, it's, a, it's a proper performance mm-hmm. as if he's a proper actor. Yep. And John Turturro films in general are pretty good. Did yeah, you ever yeah. see uh, Romance, Romance and Cigarettes? Yeah, yeah. I did. Tri- good terrific movie. movie. Box of Delights. Was it Box of Delights? Box of Moonlight. No, didn't see that one. Yeah, probably a little bit slower, not quite as good, but... Always interesting to watch, and I always remember when I, when I went to see um, Romance and Cigarettes, John Turturro introduced the screening. It was only a small screening room. Luke just Luke just yawned and made a face if I, people are watching this no, on video. I didn't, I didn't. Talk, the grown-ups are talking about films. I'm yeah. sorry, I don't... Okay. You could. There's a film coming up that you can talk I know, about. I know, I know, yeah. I know which one it is. But he was really sweet when he introduced the film, saying, look, I really hope you like it, because, you know, it means a lot to me, this film. But but not in that kind of usual kind of producer way of coming in, saying, hey, I really hope you enjoy the yeah. film and all that. He was... It was really heartfelt, you could tell. He's a nice guy, John Turturro, isn't he? Yeah, very quite serious chap. Yeah, yeah. And I sent someone to interview him for Romance Cigarettes, actually, and they came back and said it was great, but very serious. Mm. Not a lot of fun. So, yeah, check that out if you want. I would. I'm going to check it out. Are you? Yes. Maybe you can come and report back. Probably not. <laughs> out this week, we have Blended, which is the new Drew Barrymore uh, Adam Sandler movie. Yes. Which I've not been invited to see, and it looks like no one's been invited to see it anywhere in the world yet, so <laughs> that doesn't bode well. Have you seen the trailer for it? No. It's awful. It's <laughs> reuniting reunited the dream team it's time. It's a genuinely awful-looking uh, film. It's, it's two, two couples, two divorced couples with a couple of kids each, 
Uh, I don't know why I'm telling you. You should probably know this already. And they all get put in a blender. They, oh, if only. <laughs> now, I pay to watch that. But they end up going on some uh, deluxe African holiday, these two families, and they hate each other at first. And then, of course, guess they what happens? They end up falling in love. Do they partner swap? They end up blending. What, the, the, they reconnect with their own partner? No, they reconnect with each other. They connect with each other. So Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler end up being partners. Although they lovers. were not partners originally. No, sorry, I obviously didn't make that clear. Not at all. No. Good. I'm it's about as clear as the film makes So it. when I said they partner swapped and you said no, you actually mean yes? No, because their other partners aren't there. They're, they're already divorced. Oh, so you didn't say you that. You didn't say that either. You have re- really funny. You I, thought, really I could have sworn I said the word divorce. <laughs> Oh, maybe you did, but we didn't hear but, it. Yeah, I think you said divorce, but you then mm. said, but then they all go on holiday to whatever, and I was like, oh, well, they go with their partners then. Yeah, I thought it was four people on the holiday. It did sound like that. There's more than four because they take their kids. Oh, bloody hell, how many kids do they have? Two each. Right. So six in total. Because I feel like take my brain's in a blender See, I right now. Eight. But the, these two actors have had two sizable hits when they have worked together before. Wedding Singer? Yep. Fish, 50 50 first dates. dates. I've only seen The Wedding Singer. 51st Dates made Didn't me they sad. do another one as well, a remake of a Nick Hornby uh, no, film? No, that was Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. Was Fe- it? Uh, Fever Pitch. Right. Do we care for Adam Sandler? I don't care for Adam Sandler. No. With one exception. Jack and Jill. Uh, no, with, with two or three exceptions. Okay. I, I like two or three of his films. Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. Absolutely think, brilliant. No? I think, don't know. Okay. I think The Wedding Singer is really good. Haven't yes. seen that. Yeah, I'd it's agree really with you. Yeah. And I like bits of Happy Gilmore as well. And of course, Little Nicky. Oh, and that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so maybe don't see Blended. No. Uh, Luke, one on your mental level. Uh, Postman Pat. Postman Pat, yeah. Uh, is that Neil Morrissey doing the voice in that? No. Who's doing the voice in that? Stephen Mangan. It's never been Neil Morrissey doing the voice. You're, you're, you're thinking. Stephen of... Mangan. What did he do the voice in? Bob the Builder, Bob isn't the he? Bob the Builder, yeah. yeah. He yeah. sports Crystal Palace as well. Um, Neil Morrissey oh. he's often there drinking too much <laughs> um, Postman Pat uh, I have seen a fair bit of footage from this one and it looks like an abomination to me <laughs> uh, I, I do genuinely love Postman Pat yeah. I love Paddington yeah. and both these films have been uh, been made in the UK in the last couple of years and Paddington they look like they're getting right what Postman Pat has gotten wrong they've turned it into a big loud animated uh, film for kids it's Postman Pat Cross with Britain's Got Talent oh dear uh, and it's just everything I saw of it made me made my heart sink the timing is off for this as well because obviously with the closure of I Can't Sing the X Factor musical yeah. it's game over for, for the this kind of this kind of stuff I think why have they got why and also kids that have been brought up with Postman Pat and still watch Postman Pat on, on CBBS. They're going to go to the cinema, and it's not going to look the same as it does at home. It's not going to be that cute um, puppet animation. It's going to be a different voice actor. They're not going to like it. It's going to confuse them, isn't it? I didn't like it. I mean, I might be proved wrong again. Like I say, I've not seen it. But um, everything I saw was ugly. It made made my eyes hurt. Yeah. Mm. Um, And it just... Why why didn't they get in touch with Arban Animation or something? It felt like a cheap, quick cash-in rather than something that's been made with love and care. Oh, of course it does. Maybe they'll do it with the Fireman Sam movie. Well, do you know what I'm generally hoping for is a Ben and Holly's Little Kingdom movie. Don't know what that is. Ben and Holly's Little Kingdom is one of the funniest shows on TV. It's obviously aimed at kids, but it's very, very, very funny. Trust me on that. I will. If you're ever up in time to watch it in the morning... What time is it up? It's on about uh, 8 o'clock. I can do that. Yeah? Yeah. Have a look, see what you think. Report back to me. I'll do it before work. You too.
You could Sky Plus it, Chris. I could. And I have another film that we've not talked about yet, which we probably should He's not should've... going to, is he? I don't think he is. I, I think he's lying do. to you. I'm up at eight. Um, got better things to do. Uh, the biggest film of the week, which we should have kicked off with, X-Men Days of Future Past, which I've seen and I bloody loved. Yeah? I want to see that. Dan saw it and he bloody loved it. Um, our guys in the States saw it and really loved it. So, yeah, this is one that we worry could have gone either way. There's so many characters in it. Mm. But... Um, Brian Singer's nailed it. It's great to see him directing an X-Men film again. He yeah. really knows what he's doing. He does. The action scenes are fantastic. Um, the way he juggles the characters and the drama is really good. I mean, there are a lot of mutants that are introduced that just have very small parts to play. They're just literally like superpowers rather than characters. Yeah. But it's fine. It's all part of the fun of it, you know? And, and some, some you like, and I'm sure we're going to see in future films. Others probably will go to the wayside, but... It, it's the main characters really get a lot of screen time. It's it's a film. It's Wolverine, Mystique, and then it's really um, young Xavier and and Magneto. The old guys don't get much of a look. No, I mean Ian McKellen spends most of the film just kind of on the sidelines, really. And Patrick Stewart has a few scene, few more scenes, but it's it's really the youngsters in it. Um, and actually, the thing I was disappointed with was the big crossover scene. Um, Actually, I probably shouldn't go into spoilers, really. But, okay. Yeah, the, the old meeting the young didn't happen as much as I was hoping it would in the film. Okay. But it's not just a good superhero movie. It's a really good time travel movie. All right. Awesome. I like the sound of it. Yep. Those Fully recommended. Brilliant. Uh, games coming out this week, Luke. Games. So we've got two big games. Um, I think... So the most successful one, actually, and we gave, I think, a 9 to, was um, Transistor, which is a lovely little indie game that's out for PC and PS4. Um, and Marty Sliver did that, reviewed that. Um, What's it about? Um... It's this, it's this weird game. Um, so the combat's fantastic, um, and in terms of there's there's a lot of replayability in it. It's very, very hard to explain. Um, it's, yeah, it's you're a doing a terrible job so far. Yeah, so it's an isometric kind of top-down game. Um, and, you know, it's an action game in the sense that you're going around, there's a, there's a combat um, system that is quite unique. Very, very difficult for me to explain. Check out the video review on that. I but think what we've, what we've worked out here, Chris, is it's very, very difficult for Luke to explain this. Is it? Yeah. You should have said that. You know then. what? I've got a cold and you should just be nice. <laughs> okay. He's got a cold. Um, and then the other one, which needs no introduction because we've already heard about it today, is Wolfenstein, The New Order. Oh, yes. Um, which, again, has gotten favourable reviews. I know Daniel is, yeah. is enjoying it very much. I preferred Wolfenstein Joy Division, but I would. Oh, that's yeah. really done. Thanks. Any other games or is that it? I think that's it. I don't get that wow. joke you just made there. No, well, you're, you're, you're too young, okay. a fetus. So if people are only going to get one game this week, which one should it be? Ooh, tricky. I would say... If you've got a PS4, I mean, Transistor is a digital download, right? It's not full price. I'd say go for Transistor, but um, Wolfenstein is definitely worth it. And what's Transistor about? It's fun. <laughs> and it goes without saying, X-Men Days of Future Past is the movie you see this week. Yep. Or, or Fading Gigolo, if you fancy something a bit low-key. That's no, Thor. Oh, <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I think we should wrap this up and say thank you very much for listening. Stroke watching, if you did one or the other, or perhaps you did both. Well, you probably did do both if you were watching, because you'd also listen at the same time. But if you're only listening to the podcast, you might not have watched it. Or stroked. Goodbye. Bye. Duck hunt. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.